We're going to be in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. And after Jim prays, uh, you're welcome to be seated. Traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hands was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. If you would join me in prayer, please. Dear Lord, we praise you for allowing us to be here today to worship you, to learn more about your word and to have fellowship with each other. We also ask that you would do the same for us as you did for Barnabas and fill us with the Holy Spirit and faith. Not only fill us with that Holy Spirit, but give us the direction and the guidance of how to use that to make you, to make us better servants for you. Lord, we also ask that today you'd give Todd the wisdom to deliver your word to us. And also ask that you would open our ears to, to what he has to say today. And not only our ears, but open our hearts to allow that to come in. We also ask, Lord, that after we hear this, that we uh, you give us the direction to apply it in our lives, to make us obedient to your word, so that we can go out to praise you even more and become even better servants. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks, Jim. Great prayer. Uh, so we are like six or seven weeks uh, into going through the book of Acts. And one of the reasons why we're going through the book of Acts is, as John said, we're uh, a young church. We're like half a year into our life together as a community of Christ. And as such, we thought it makes sense to go back and look at the early church and how it was formed and some of the things that they were doing. And as the gospel spread, seeing what we can learn uh, from the early church. As we move into this chapter, I always like to kind of catch the whole story. So the Bible is mostly written in narrative form. It's like this one great big story. And even the books of the Bible are most of the time larger stories. And so we're focused on a chapter and a story when we've been going through passages for a couple of weeks. I think it's always good to go back and catch kind of the story as a whole. And so Acts is a continuation of Luke's gospel message. Luke records the story of Jesus, and as the story of Jesus kind of shifts into the early church, Luke uh, shifts into writing the book of Acts. And so as reading the book of Acts, this is a continuation. Uh, the early church's work is a continuation of the work that Jesus was doing. And it's interesting because Jesus is crucified, and after, well, just before his uh, ascension, between his resurrection and ascension, he's appearing to people, including the disciples. And when he appears to the disciples, he gives them this charge. He, he tells the 12 disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm wired in such a way that if Jesus gave me a charge like that, my very first thing to do would be to sit down with the other 11 disciples and say, okay, 
Jesus has given us this charge. We're to be his witnesses here in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, like, we got to sit down and come up with a strategy for how to do this. And for me, a strategy is the shortest, uh, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. So I'm, I'm going to sit down with the other 11 disciples and say, okay, let's figure out how quickly we can accomplish this task that Jesus has given us. So I'd probably look at Peter and say, hey, Peter, why don't you take Jerusalem? Actually, you know what, Peter? You denied Jesus, not, not you. In fact, we're going to send you to Samaria. But Matthew, we'll put you in Jerusalem. And Andrew, if you'll take Judea. And like coming up with this plan for how we are going to accomplish the task that Jesus had placed in front of us. This isn't how the story of Acts goes, which is great because I don't know about you, but my life doesn't look that simple either. In fact, this isn't how the Holy Spirit works. And as we look at the story of the early church, we look at the church in Acts, there's actually very little that's strategic or efficient about the spread of the gospel, at least certainly not in the way that we would define strategic and efficient. And so as, a, as I was reflecting on this uh, throughout the week, I, I came to the thought that's, that's very instructive and encouraging and helpful for me, that the way of God is often not a straight line. And so even as we're gathering together as a church and our desire, we, uh, you know, we've got these banners, a community shaped by the gospel for the renewal of all things. It's easy for us to sit down and think, okay, how can we strategize to make this happen? And if you're like me, the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, but the way of God often is not a straight line. In fact, the movement of the church begins with the 12 disciples sitting in an upper room waiting. That's, man, that's hard for me because I'm a, I'm a man of action. Jesus gives me a charge. I want to try to figure it out. Now, I would have been appreciative because that was kind of a scary thing, um, but they spend this early part just waiting in an upper room, praying. That, that can be difficult for some of us that want to just move. As the disciples are praying, ultimately, God has promised, sends this Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, things get, like, really chaotic. They move from waiting to things are happening left and right, but not certainly probably the way they expected it. The Holy Spirit moves, and in the early church, Peter the denier becomes the chief proclaimer. And the disciples are met like almost immediately with this opposition that's supposed to weaken them and only emboldens the disciples in the early church. Persecution begins to show up. Persecution that was meant to stop the spread of the gospel message and instead this persecution ignites it. And ultimately, as we're reading the story here in Acts 9, 10, 11, and as we go through the rest of the book of Acts, this chief persecutor named Saul becomes a chief evangelist. And not just a chief evangelist, but a chief evangelist to people that was actually against the law, his law, for him to, to have relationship with or to associate with. To associate with. So the, the, the way of God often is not a straight line, but it also led me to have this thought, that our best thinking may not be what's needed to get us to the, nest, to the destination God intends for us. Our best thinking, our best efforts may not be what's needed to get us to the destination God desires for us. As we're reading like the early part of the story of the early church, 
Uh, a lot of what I think is happening culminated for me last week as John was preaching and we were reading from, the, from Acts chapter 10 and there's this passage that the early church as the gospel message is spreading not just to the Jewish people but ultimately to the Gentiles as well which I'm not sure they were expecting even though God or Jesus told them this is what was going to happen. I'm not sure they were expecting it, but as the gospel message begins reaching the Gentiles and they're being filled with the Holy Spirit, the early church, someone gathers and says this, surely no one can stand in their way of being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And as Peter is saying this, I think what Peter is essentially saying is surely no one can stand in the way of the Holy Spirit which I love. As, as we talk about, we want to be a community shaped by the gospel for the renewal of all things. It's probably not ultimately our strategy, probably not ultimately our efforts that are going to make that happen, but it's the movement of the Holy Spirit. And what's great about that is surely no one can stand in the way of the Holy Spirit. If you've got your Bibles, a lot of Bibles will title the book of Acts. It'll title it the Acts of the Apostles. This is the way the book of Acts is known. It's, the way, it's what it's been called throughout church tradition, throughout church history, the Acts of the Apostles. And so for many of us, we read the story of Acts, and certainly for the first part, we think Peter's the main character of the, of the book of Acts. And as we get to Acts chapter 9, 10, and 11, which is where we are now, it seems to start to shift from being focused on Peter to being focused on this man named Paul. And so we read the book of Acts, and we most of the time, if you're like me, you think, gosh, the book of Acts is ultimately the story of Peter and of Paul and of the early church. But in reality, if you pay attention to what's happening in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is actually the main character of the book of Acts. And as you're reading through it, you'll see that the Spirit moves, and then the early church responds to what the Holy Spirit is doing. The true star of the spread of the church, the true star of the book of Acts, and ultimately the true star of our work together as the body of Christ is centered on the work of the Holy Spirit as a reflection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not just what's interesting about it is if you read the, the story of Acts and the early church, it's just not those that, that want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, but actually even some of those that are in opposition to what's happening, the Holy Spirit uses as well. And we see how, like I said, the persecution spreads the gospel message. Which leads us to the story in Acts chapter 11. We see this man named Barnabas. And even before we get introduced to Barnabas in this chapter, we see that persecution, right, is causing the spread of the gospel message. That this chapter, this passage that we looked at says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed. Stephen, one of the early parts of the early church, right, is martyred, is killed, is stoned to death, which was supposed to put a stop to the spread of the gospel message, and yet it ignites it. And now there's these people, interestingly enough, that weren't even sent by the early church end up in Antioch. And Antioch is this place that was like a central hub for trade at the time. And if the gospel message reaches there, it's going to spread like wildfire because everybody passes through Antioch on their trade routes. It's the crossroads 
of the trade routes at the time. And so the church hears about what's happening in Antioch. And what I love about this is the church didn't like say, hey, we're going to send people to Antioch to share the gospel message. It just happened. People weren't asking for permission to go places and share the gospel message. They were just doing it, compelled by the Holy Spirit. But the church in Jerusalem hears about this. And so they send Barnabas to find out what's going on. And I love it because it says Barnabas is a, is a humble man who's full of the Holy Spirit. And so as he gets there, he sees the work of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God at work. And Barnabas does something as he sees this that's like this major turning point in the story of Acts. And yet Barnabas had no clue the significance of the decision that he was about to make. As we read these stories, we know the rest of the story. And because we know the rest of the story, we can take for granted some of these like major turning points that are taking place. Because, yeah, of course, Saul is going to become Paul, and Paul is going to go and spread the gospel message to the Gentiles. But they don't know this at this point. So Barnabas is up in Antioch. He's observing what's going on, and he immediately thinks of this guy named Saul, who just a couple of chapters ago was persecuting the early church, right? Just a couple of chapters ago was present when Stephen was being stoned. It's, it's amazing. And so Barnabas thinks, hey, you know what? Saul's become a follower of Jesus now. I want him to come see what's happening up here in Antioch. So Barnabas goes back to Jerusalem, grabs Saul and brings him and basically takes Saul under his wing and mentors him and what it means to do ministry in this place called Antioch. Now, what's fascinating about this is Barnabas has no idea who Saul is going to become. He has no idea the acts that Saul is going to take that, that Saul is going to take um, take part in. He has no idea that Saul is going to become Paul and ultimately write two thirds of the New Testament that we're still reading today. Barnabas couldn't possibly know that. But he's prompted and compelled and so brings Saul, takes him under his wing and mentors him. I find this interesting because Barnabas is kind of the leader at this point, like in this partnership. He has no idea that Saul is, is ultimately going to kind of become what we might call, right, the star of the rest of the story of Acts. I, Paul wouldn't want that designation, but that's, he kind of becomes the central player. Barnabas has no idea that that's about to take place. And I, I kind of wonder for myself, if I was in Barnabas's position, like would I be a little resentful or jealous, right, of what takes place um, in Saul's life, right? Gosh, I'm the one that kind of mentored him. I'm the one that walked alongside of him. But, but I think Barnabas knows that in the story of God, there's no small parts, right? And, and in our walk and in our part together as a community, all of us are going to play different roles. And most of the time, we don't get to choose the roles, right? But it's helpful to remember there are no small parts in the story of God. And while we don't get to choose the roles that we are called to play, we do get to choose whether we step into the roles that we are called to. And we do get to choose how we play those roles. As I look at the book of Acts, there's all kinds of questions that I have, right? Like, what if the disciples early on hadn't hadn't listened to Jesus and been content to gather in the upper room and to spend that time praying 
waiting for the Holy Spirit to move. Right? What if they were like me and they were like, well, we're going to start getting to work right now. What if they hadn't been obedient to that? What if Peter hadn't been willing to accept the Holy Spirit and stand up boldly and begin preaching the gospel message, reminding people this is who Jesus is, this is who Jesus was, and this is what Jesus did? What if like some of these small part players like Ananias that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks hadn't acted in the story of Saul? What if Barnabas hadn't acted, hadn't been willing to say, you know what, the church is asking me to go to Antioch. They're in support of me. I'm going to go make this journey. And what if the church hadn't been willing to actively support Barnabas in going to, to Antioch? And what if Saul, when Barnabas had come and said, hey, come with me. I want you to come and assist me. And I want you to come see what's happening in Antioch. And I want you to stay with me for years. We continue to proclaim the gospel message and encourage the people in Antioch. What if any of them had chosen not to act. As I thought about that, I thought about in the life of our small part, our together, even us together playing a small part in the story of God, and each one of us has a small part in the story of God as well. So I began thinking, like, what are, what are the consequences if I don't act? If God's prompting me, if the Holy Spirit's prompting me, and gosh, that either that role that you're asking me to play is too small, right? Or for some of us, we, we are prompted to do something. It's like, that role's too big. There's no way I could do that. Even if it's a small role. Some of us play small. What if I don't act? What if you don't act? What are the potential consequences of this? I think as I read the book of Acts, and even as we were talking about that, that passage before, like, who's going to get in the way of these people being baptized by the Holy Spirit? Who's going to get in the way of the movement of the Holy Spirit? If we don't act, it's not like God's plan isn't going to be fulfilled, right? God's going to act. The choice that we have is whether or not we want to choose to participate in it. It's whether or not we choose to miss out on the things that God's doing in the lives around us. Well, one of the best things about being a part of this over the last six months is getting to stand back and watch and recognize that, that we're a church full of people that aren't willing to sit on the sidelines. We've got people that are stepping out and stepping into to roles and serving in different ways. There's a group of people uh, that over a year ago began meeting together, almost like they were meeting in an upper room and praying about what it would look like to form a community um, chasing the purposes of God, the purposes of Jesus. We've got people that are stepping up that are saying, you know what, I would love to help lead one of these apprentice groups that's starting up. We've got a group of people that have been meeting together and praying about what does discipleship, what does, how do we encourage people to be followers of Jesus here at Cornerstone? We've got people back in the kids area um, serving our kids there. And some of them, like, this isn't really, like, the best fit for me, but it's a need, and I'm going to step into that. I'm going to hold and rock babies and, um, and build Lego towers as tall as we can build them and celebrate that. Um, we've got people that are serving on leadership team and on a finance team, people that are setting up donuts um, and coffee for all of us and all that enter our doors on Sunday mornings. 
We've got people who are inviting other people to come. We have people that are having people that they've never met before over to their houses to have dinner, to build community. We've got people that are helping do things like hang marker boards in an office, like all of these different roles. Um, Stories that are being shared. Jim shared a story a couple of weeks ago. Stories that are being shared, scriptures that are being read. People are coming to set up communion. People are coming to serve communion and to look you in the eye and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Jesus given for you. And as we've done that together, it's, it's making a difference. God is at work. God is moving. The very fact that we're here gathered together, I, I believe is a miracle work of the Holy Spirit. The fact that the launch itself took place and we're gathered together here as part of a church. This building, the way that, that this building opened up and became available had to have been a work of the Holy Spirit. Are there some that are in attendance with us each Sunday morning that have been prayed for for years, faithfully prayed for for years, and are here because you're here? Families are being reunited. New relationships are being formed, and community is being created. Unhealthy cycles of shame are being interrupted with the grace of God. God is moving And while the Holy Spirit is the main character in that act, each one of us is playing a part. Just your being present here has a part to play in what God is doing in the life of Cornerstone. So as we look at the book of Acts and we look at all of these different roles, whether it's Peter or Paul or Ananias or so many others, what it does is it invites us in. It says there's a part for us to play in the story of what's happening, not just here at Cornerstone, but in the whole story of God. What part is the Holy Spirit nudging you to play? Are you willing to step into new and stretching roles? wonder what does willingness look like for you? And even as we're thinking about that, there's so many things that are happening all around us. It made me think, what will it take for me to lift up, lift up my eyes and not miss the wonder of what God is doing in our midst. God's inviting each one of you, each one of us, to step into his story. As we were gathered for prayer, and I'm going to close with this, Ben told us the story that he heard on the radio um, over here. It's a fascinating story. You can uh, ask Ben if you catch him after service. But the point of the whole story, ultimately, was that we're living in a broken world. And there is holy work to do. And that's true for us as a church together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the story of the early church. And God, we thank you that you don't work in a straight line. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just move amongst us, Lord, that you would help us set aside our agendas for your agenda. God, that you'd help us set aside our plans, and not just our plans as a church, but our plans as a family or our plans as an individual, that you would set those aside for your plan. God, that you would take our strength, Lord, that you would set that aside for your strength. And God, that we would be ultimately surrendered to your Holy Spirit. Lord, John doesn't want to be the star of this. I don't want to be the star of this. And Lord, No one in this congregation wants to be the star of what's happening. Lord, we want your Holy Spirit to be the main character. 
And so, Lord, just as the disciples sat in the upper room waiting for your movement, God, so do we wait for your move. God, not in a passive way, but in an active way. And, Lord, I pray that when you nudge us, Lord, that we would have the wisdom to recognize that and the strength to step into it. Lord, that you would help us play the role, God, that you've invited us to play. We pray this in your name. Amen.